more and sign up as an organ, eye, and tissue donor. Go to organdonor.gov. A message from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Health Resources and Services Administration. The opinions voiced in this show are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult your attorney, accountant, financial advisor, or tax advisor prior to investing. This show contains forward-looking statements that may not come true. Securities Investment Advisory Services offered through Grove Point Financial, member FINRA SIPC, Grove Point Financial, and Kelchin Associates are unaffiliated companies. And folks, this program is intended for Wisconsin residents only. Well, good morning and welcome to Saturday in the studio. I'm Tom King, and we are joined here by Merle Kelch, Kelch and Associates in Wausau. If you have a financial question, today's the day to get it answered, 715-845-2155, or at least you'll try, right? Yes. <laughs> I told you, you had a minute and a half to get ready, and now he's, he's still pitching yeah, around so with the microphone. I was the, you know, it was the old uh, pick-up-in-the-air move, yeah. folks, which is... What you get with a trained professional. Try to keep right it now? from going clunk like yeah, that. Yeah, exactly, precisely. You so, know, last week last week you talked a little bit about the inverted yield curve, and we have seen some of that this yep, week. Started popping. Uh, um, yeah, Treasury yields on inverted on Friday. Uh, the benchmark 10-year Treasury note up by more than five basis points, while the two-year U.S. government bond surged 16 basis points higher. Other parts of the yield curve also remained inverted. The yield on five-year Treasury surged 14 basis points. The 30-year Treasury bond slipped one basis point. Now, usually we've talked about that. That uh, signals a possible recession on the way. Does it signal that this time, in your opinion? (coughs) Excuse me. I'm sorry. Um, You know, probably. Um, You know, we have an environment right now where we're going to have a rising interest rate. And and, uh, rising interest rates, um, reading from uh, Brian Westbury, uh, one of my favorite economists. Um, it looks like the Fed will probably do a half a percent in May. So by the time we factor that in, and then coming up in uh, the July meeting, it looks like they'll do another half a percent again. So it's going to drive up interest rates relatively quickly, and, and we're probably going to have an inverted yield curve. But you know, when you have an inverted yield curve, it doesn't always point that we're having a recession, and usually it ends up happening about two years ahead of time. So. You know, I've been, uh, you know, thinking about it throughout the course of this week, and then we see the yield, inverted yield curve. And so, you know, we, we might start taking a couple of defensive positions and some portfolios coming up over the course of the next several months here. Um, and, and so we'll, we'll chat about that as we come in, what that means, and some of the things that we have to look out for because it's, it's, it's that time for bond funds, I believe. And, again, my opinion. But um, so some of the things that we have to look at. But I think the yield curve here is pointing towards – a slowdown or recessionary period of time coming. Um, um, but again, it's not going to, I don't think it's going to happen in this calendar year and maybe even not next. Because, I mean, we still are seeing some pretty good signs from the economy, right? I mean, lots of jobs being created. The unemployment rate is really low. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, People are getting back to work. And as we get back to work, we, uh, we fixed some of the supply, supply chain issues because we're back to work. In addition to that, we had ISM numbers come out on Thursday. And the ISM is the Institute for Supply Side Management. And as many times I've said, folks, but here's what this is. Um, uh, it's the essentially uh, purchasing managers club. And they're polled and saying, are you buying for expansion of the business or contraction over the course of the next six months? And so it's either a you know one or a zero kind of thing. And if we hit 50% or better, we're looking at expansion of the economy. And if we're looking at less than 50% um, of, of them saying for contraction, of course, a slowdown. And we just hit an unprecedented 22 months in a row of expansion. And I'm not talking about a little bit of a little bit over 50%, um, you know, like uh, 59, 58%. So really strong growth. 
And so we're still seeing that coming in. So we still have growth. Um, we have profitability in corporate America, which has just been tremendous last year and still continues to be. So I don't think we're going anyplace. I think we still see growth in the economy. I think we still, at the end of the year, uh, see the stock market positive. That's my opinion, just because we're getting back to work. And as we work, uh, Tom, you work, you make a couple of bucks, and what do you do to it? You hopefully spend it at the Eagles Club at Bingo tonight. <laughs> at Bingo tonight, yeah, um, yeah. Okay. A shameless plug? <laughs> that was a shameless plug. <laughs> so, so, so with it, we spend that money, we get that economic multiplier effect. So the more of us going to work, the more of us that happens. Now, we'll probably see real estate slow down. Um, we're seeing some evidence of it on the coast right now with existing home purchases, down some 7.1% on the measure from last week. But um, – but the interest rate is going to have some changes in things. And as the interest rates go up too fast and the tightening's too fast, it's going to throw us into a recessionary period of time sooner. And, of course, the Federal Reserve doesn't want that to happen, so they're trying to feather it in as best as they can and reduce this monster that we have inflation. You know, I, well, I asked you this question a couple of weeks ago, and I, it, it's still rearing its ugly head. I think a lot of people are annoyed um, with inflation the way it is and with the supply chain situation the way it is. It's getting better, but it's still problematic in some areas. And yet, as you mentioned, corporate profits are way up. And there are a lot of people that are annoyed that these corporations are, are, are reaping huge profits, and in some cases, hundreds of millions of dollars. And yet, the prices of products that we're buying every day are, are going up, up, up. Uh, something that just doesn't compute for people when they see that. It, it gets them annoyed. Well, I'm sure that it does. It's a capitalistic society. You know, if somebody wants prices to go down, find a way to make it cheaper. Um, and uh, to uh, be competitive. But one of the reasons I think that's happening in corporate America is, is simply because we have such a huge demand that's out there. And with such a huge demand, if you can't make all the product, you increase the price to slow down demand. It's the oldest thing in the world with uh, um, supply and, and uh, demand in, in the world. And I think we saw a lot of that happening. So, so as a result of it, it's not going to change much until we have the ability to change that. And with all the cash that's out there, what's called M2 money supply, that money is looking for stuff to buy and is driving the prices up all over the place. You know, wages. Well, we just saw wages go up. Um, I think it was 5.4% uh, this past year. Um, I think it was just revised. I don't have that number sitting in front of me, folks, but I think I'm right. Um, but the unfortunate part, we see inflation going at 7. So though we had, uh, you know, record wage growth in the course of the past 12 months, um, it was completely offset because of the price of inflation. Some of the things that, that are driving me crazy, and this is here's the Merle Kelch opinion piece, Tom. Are you ready? Mm, I, I, I uh, can't wait. <laughs> I know you are. Um, and uh, <laughs> I, I just bit my tongue there a little Maybe bit. Maybe I'll go la, la, yeah. la, 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 la for a few minutes here. You know what? So, so one of the things that's happening in here, we see the current administration, um, you know, sending out a, a million dollars, I'm sorry, a million barrels of oil a day out of strategic reserve. Which, by the way, I think is really going to help alleviate some things and make the prices come down. Prices have already started going down for gasoline. But it doesn't fix the problem, and that's the unfortunate part. And, and they don't want to fix the problem because they're so hell-bent on saying, we got to get rid of all the cars. Well, okay, get rid of all the cars that burn fossil fuels if that's the direction you want to go. Wait, the administration but, will, tell uh, you, will argue that the oil and gas companies have plenty of oil and gas leases that they're not using. They're, yeah, si they're, not they're letting, sitting there. We, we talked about but they're not letting the drill permits go out. You know, when you have uh, Manchin saying, do your damn job to the EPA, and I quoted, um, we're, they're just not getting the stuff to drill. I mean, get, let these guys drill and get those permits out there. Um, I think that alleviates the problem, and still, it's going to take months before that happens. So if they're not fixing a problem, they're putting a Band-Aid on. And I think from that, that's going to continue to persist from that problem. So uh, that's my opinion. But hopefully that starts bringing it down because a big part of the inflationary computation is uh, oil and gas. 
and uh, what we're paying at the pump. And so we should see inflation come down as a result of that, and hopefully interest rates going up as well, and we see those things uh, uh, lower and uh, become better for our pocketbooks. I believe the largest employer in the United States, if you don't count the government and the military and all of that, is Amazon. I believe Amazon has more workers than any other company in the United States. For the first time, a warehouse in Staten, I think Staten Island, New York, is voting to unionize an Amazon warehouse. What will that mean for Amazon, the company? What will that mean for Amazon? Because we've heard for years that Amazon is not a very good place to work, that it, the conditions are not good uh, at Amazon facilities. Um, and to unionize and give people collective bargaining and, and give people a way to to bargain together to try to get those conditions better. What does that mean for Amazon? What does that mean for the company's bottom line? What does that mean for the workers who work there? I mean, this is going to this is going to be a sea change, or is and it just consumers? Like, or is it just a one thing, one warehouse thing, or is it? Do you think this will spread to the rest of Amazon at some point in time? I don't think it stops at one place when you start becoming unionized. You know, so yeah, we're going to go back to moral opinions again. This is going to be amazing. You want to start going la 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 now again? Okay, or all right, maybe. maybe. You know, I'm, I'm not a big fan of unions, but I'm also not a big fan of corporations taking care of them or uh, taking advantage of their employees. I hope that makes sense. And if you have a corporate corporation that takes advantage of their employees by, you know, crappy working conditions, crappy benefits, and crappy pay, um, but yet they still continue to keep demanding more and more, they deserve to not have the employees or to be unionized to force them to do it. And uh, if that's the, the, the fate of the direction of Amazon, it's something that they brought them on their own as where you can have a, a very well-run company, you can pay your people very well and great benefits and not have a union. You can do that, and I think it just simply takes some corporate responsibility. So I think what it's going to end up doing is it's going to drive prices up in certain places. Amazon, of course, has been a place where you've been able to find uh, inexpensive goods online, um, and if it's uh, if they have to, you know, their prices go up, I'm making up a number here, folks, if they go up by 10% because of uh, collective bargaining, uh, where we're going to see that reflected in the price of the things that we have. But maybe it then brings the prices up to a point where our brick-and-mortar stores here downtown in Wausau can compete with the same products we're finding on Amazon, and we can put some service to it, and maybe it revitalizes some things inside of small towns and towns and downtowns and squares everywhere. So I never see it bad as competition. Um, I just see it bad when somebody's taking advantage of somebody. You use the term corporate responsibility. Isn't that an oxymoron like jumbo <laughs> shrimp and military intelligence? <laughs> Well, kind of, yeah, sort of. <laughs> All right, well, we're going to take a break here. We'll come back with more, 715-845-2155. If you have a question for her, give us a call. We'll be right back on WSAU. Hi, I'm Danica Patrick and proud aunt watching my nieces grow. With a squeeze toy, you wouldn't start a band without learning to play. So when you want the right tool to stay informed, I like to tell everybody if they don't have the app, they better get it. There's the iHeartRadio app. I really enjoy listening to your show. It is the best app, and I'm such a big fan. I listen on the app on my phone all the time. In the App Store or online. It's great. I love it. At WSAU.com and on the iHeartRadio app. The opinions voiced in this show are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult your attorney, accountant, financial advisor, or tax advisor prior to investing. This show contains forward-looking statements that may not come true. Securities Investment Advisory Services offered through Grove Point Financial, member FINRA SIPC, Grove Point Financial, and Kelch & Associates are unaffiliated companies. And folks, this program is intended for Wisconsin residents only.
All right, 715-845-2155. We're back in the studio. I'm Tom King along with Merle Kelch. When people come to your office and they say, Merle, I've got $10,000 or I've got $2,000 or I've got $500 and I want to invest, what what do you tell them at this point in time with uh, the market where it is and all of that? And do you give the same advice to people who have larger amounts of money to invest as you do with someone who has a smaller amount, amount of money to invest? Is it is it? I know it's not one size fits all for everyone, but yeah. if somebody has ten thousand as opposed to someone who has five hundred, I would imagine there are different scenarios for that. There, there are, but it's all really driven upon where's a person going, and I'm not sure if this makes any sense. I will regularly ask a person, say, "What do you want your money to do?" And then the old standard joke is, "Well, everybody wants thirty-five percent guaranteed and <laughs> no volatility," and well, it doesn't exist, obviously, folks, but. <clears throat> what you want to do with the money is going to be based upon where you're going with it. So, Tom, if you have $10,000 and you say, well, Merle, can you invest this $10,000? I'm going to use it in 18 months. Um, so I need to take it out for XYZ adventure or uh, on purchase. Well, that's a whole different animal than if a person says this $10,000 is going to go uh, for retirement 15 years from now, um, and I'm going to add some more to it. So there's two different things. You have to look at where the person is going. Um, but – so the one thing we're looking at today and in, in making sure of is is in taking a defensive posture for a portfolio, um, we have to look at um, where interest rates going. And, and why I say this is because something I, I made a note in folks just to, to chat about, and there's a number of articles that are popping up all over the place, and you're going to see this. With that inverting yield curve, and this is pick 10 articles today, folks, on the inverting yield curve. And with an inverting yield curve, interest rates go up and the bond values drop. Okay, So um, we're seeing with our friends and with our clients and that whole bit who will have a conservative portfolio inside of annuities right now, and they're down. And people are saying, well, how come they're down? Well, because you have two components of it. You have one, the stock market, which is, of course, down. Then you have the bond marketplace with the rising interest rates. Oh, of course, that is dropping as well. So you're hitting two sides of that. So it's important to note, folks, when you're looking at a portfolio today, are you investing money? As you said, if a person comes in with, you know, fifty and ten or five or a hundred to five hundred thousand dollars, you have to look at it and saying, well, how can we mitigate some of the risk and the volatility right now? Stock market, you mitigate it by having it diversified and having good quality if you're individual stocks, or diversified within all the different asset classes inside of mutual funds. If you're doing that, make sure you have all the stuff diversified. But in the bond sector right now, um, having bond mutual funds is very problematic. And again. Hundreds of articles right now on this, folks. So when interest rates go up, bond prices drop. But, Tom, if you and I in our XYZ portfolio, we have ABC Company bond or um, Seagate Municipality Municipal bond, um, the interest rates go up, the bond prices drop. We're like, yeah, okay, that's fine. It would drop because we can wait until the maturity that our money comes back to us. We can wait until the maturity. But inside of bond mutual funds, that doesn't happen. We can't wait until maturity. Because the hundreds of bonds that are inside of that mutual fund are under the control of the mutual fund manager. So interest rates go up, the bond prices drop, and guess what? They just drop. We just lost the money. Um, though we may still be getting the yield of the interest rate depending upon where it is. But the belief of the diversification of having bond mutual funds really isn't there in a rising interest rate environment. How difficult is it for the average investor to buy individual bonds as opposed to bond mutual funds? I mean, most of the time you're getting those mutual funds in your 401k or something else, and, right? And, and herein is where some of the problems lie, is because a lot of people will buy target funds. 
Um, if when I say the term target fund or lifestyle fund, you'll know what that ne- name means if you have it in your 401k. Uh, that Malie, you know, believes Tom, when you retire 10 years from now, you're going to have a target fund that's going to say a, you know, a, a 2032 uh, uh, or a 2030 target fund. Well, those funds are adding more and more bonds each year as you get older and get closer to retirement. They keep adding more bonds. So in those types of funds where they're adding more bonds as interest rates are going up and the value of the bonds are dropping, so they're buying more and more of the things that are more than likely going to be problematic over the course of the next year. You have to watch for that stuff, folks. So there are things you can do differently. There are different types of funds that are out there. They call them you know, bank share funds or, or the different types of funds that have interest rates are returned based upon interest but not bonds. So they're usually loan share or loans that go out to companies, secured loans, that type of stuff. And there's a lot of different versions that are out there, folks. But that allows us to participate inside of the, the uh, interest or the debt market without buying the actual bonds and having that interest rate risk involved. So that's a better place for us to be and to be looking at. And, folks, you should be talking to your financial professional about this and staying away from bond funds right now, especially over the course of the next year maybe two years as we see interest rates going up fighting this inflation. It's important to ask those questions right now because now is the time we have to start making those adjustments. So so why is that important then, Tom? Well, in a portfolio, how you make it more defensive and posture and help take out some of the volatility in times like these is you would classically add bonds to them. Maybe you add 20, 30, 40 uh, percent bonds to a portfolio depending upon where a person is. Well, right now we add the bonds or the bond portfolios to them um, and it could actually add to the risk if we're not doing it right. And it's a difficulty that I've seen a number of times uh, in, in my career, unfortunately, or fortunately, it's been 30-some years I've seen this happen a few times. So you have to look at it and say, okay, how can we still take out the volatility risk of not being in the stock market for that 5, 10, 20, 30, 40% we want to have in a portfolio? But how can I do it without adding risk to it from the interest rising interest rates in the bond portfolios? And, and so – Talk to your financial professional, folks. This is going to be important over the course of the next several months, uh, uh, next few years, that you do this. All right, 715-845-2155. We need to take a break for some news. We'll come back with more. At actionforhealthykids.org. We're back here in the studio. I'm Tom King along with Merle Kelch, Kelch and Associates in Wausau, 715-845-2155. The phone lines are open right now. Yeah, if, you know, if you have a question for yeah. I, I got to interrupt you because, folks, this is a conversation we're having in a break. And I got to share this because it's kind of fun. So, folks, I, I've been a trustee of the Eagles Club for a long time and involved in the Eagles Club, and, and we welcome you to come down here. It's an open to the public. We have a blast. Well, sometimes I have to bartend. Uh-huh. Know, so we had one of our longtime bartenders. Um, she's fine, but at one time she passed out. We had to call the ambulance, and here she found out she has a peanut allergy. Um, and she uh, she went down uh, with peanut allergy. So that side, I had to be the guest bartender. So we were talking about bartending on the break. You're you're very uh, comfortable on one side of the bar, but not so much on the other side. Well, I excel on the seat side of the yeah, bar. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And so in there, <laughs> I literally went to everybody and said, all right, you get a two-ingredient maximum for your drinks. If it's beyond that, you're not getting it. So uh, somebody, Shots and beers, basically, is what it was. Well, you could have both. Uh, but if you wanted a mixed drink, you got two ingredients. One of them was wash. That's how it went. Right, and so yeah. we had somebody that asked me for something, had like four or five drinks, and they just got a whiskey and Coke. That was it. That's mm. the only drink that they got. Nice. So 
So if you need a job, folks, bartending, I'm your guy. Two drinks, that's uh, two mix, two, two ingredients, that's it. Nothing more. <laughs> All right, 715-845-2155 is the number to call. I know you're a fan of uh, Jim Cramer of CNBC, right? Uh, he's I think very you're, good, yeah. Yeah, yeah. His, uh, his latest article on CNBC's website is Brace for Negativity. He said on Friday he's advising investors to brace themselves against Wall Street's negativity next week as concerns over a possible recession mounts. And he says, regardless of what happens next week, Wall Street's going to remain in good news, bad news mode, so perhaps you should steal yourself for the negativity. And by stealing yourself, does he mean, like you said, going into defensive postures in some places or just let it ride and uh, and not listen to all of the chatter uh, coming from the financial talking heads? You know, he, he's right on the head in this. Um, you're going to find sensationalism happen you know, all over the place. And one of the classic ones is, in my opinion, you know, so the Dow was up 50 points today. So the next day it's, the Dow was down 10. You know, you see that same thing because everything seems to be sensationalized in all the outlets that talk about the markets. And so as a result of that, I think you have to watch out for this because the negativity is going to be out there heavy. But if the, let's say the inflation curve is right and it's predicting that we're going to have an inflation. And honestly, I, I, I'm sorry, we're going to have a recessionary period of time. And, and, and honestly, I, I think it's probably accurate. The question is, is it's going to be a soft landing or a hard landing? Well, not only that, but it's probably going to be two years away. And what is that? What are we going to do tomorrow? Well, nothing. But we can start making preparations in the course of the next several months. Um, and so watch out for the, the news and the negativity going back and forth. And you know, what we're telling our clients right now is one of the reasons we're seeing so much volatility in the marketplace is the marketplace is having a hard time finding price today because you don't know where it is where when you factor in interest rate increases, inflation, and what's happening inside of Ukraine. You don't know where the price is today. Um, and you don't know where the price is today because we can't predict what's going to happen in six months or a year as far as expansion in the marketplace, how's business going to be, we're going to get our supply chain coming in, what's Russia going to do. We, we just don't know the answers to that. So we're, have, we're bouncing up and down today. Um, ultimately, the the stock market is based upon the profitability of corporations and their ability to make money and the stock price. And that happens to be really good right now as far as their ability to make money. We just don't know where it's going to be in six months or a year, and that's the reason we're seeing all the volatility today. So as a result of it, we see all the news bouncing up. All we can simply do is to simply say, okay, what can we do? But there's no panic mode. There's no panic right now. There just isn't. Um, but we should make you know choices and say, well, what are we going to do in two years or one year or three years or five years. It's okay. You can still retire. You can still do what you want to do. You can still make money. You can still be a bartender at the <laughs> Eagles if you can do two drink maximums per drink. Mm. Um, I'll, re- I'll remember that if I need available. a side hustle down the, down the line. There you go. Yeah, you got this. Because that's about what I, how I would bartend <laughs> as well. well. Yeah, two drinks, yeah. Uh, two, yeah, two mix. Yeah. Um, I want to talk a little bit about some of the stuff that's going on here in the state of Wisconsin uh, with a couple of companies. Um, we had an, a news story this week that the uh, – Western Power Plant is going to be adding a natural gas uh, part of that plant as they try to transition away from coal burning uh, by 2030, I think, is the year they're looking at getting rid of 80% of their coal burning and stuff and replacing it with other stuff. They're putting in a $171 million natural gas-fired power plant. What does that mean for the company that runs uh, the Western Power Plant? And then uh, Harley-Davidson getting some good news as we are going to start looking at getting rid of some of the tariffs that have affected Harley-Davidson motorcycles in in China. Um, So I would imagine good news for both of those companies uh, here in the state of Wisconsin when it comes to that? Uh, Well, we'll see. Um, um, You know, natural gas has certainly been the the direction that people have been going. I shouldn't say people, companies have been going uh, to get rid of coal. Um, uh, By the way, I I, I just know from personal experience 
experience and conversations. Uh, Weston Coal was one of the cleanest um, coal burning um, power plants in the country um, up until a number of years ago. I mean, um, the technology they did was absolutely phenomenal, um, but it's still so expensive to stay there. And so I'm guessing the natural gas is probably going to drive down the prices, in my opinion, um, as far as uh, um, um, how to build one because uh, it's just you don't have as much environmental stuff because natural gas burns so clean. Uh, the next question is, is, is will um, current administrations allow them to actually use natural gas? You know, so my opinion would be well, certainly, what's next. Well, certainly natural gas is uh, preferable to coal on both ends when you take it out of the ground and when you burn it. I mean, obviously, oh, yeah. it's uh, it's better. Absolutely. And, and uh, you know, of course, we have to have pipelines to get it here and all that sort of stuff, and, and hopefully all that works. I'm guessing they probably already have that straightened out. They're already going to put a, uh, a turbine in here, a generator. So um, my guess would be the case. So I find things interesting with uh, the power companies up here is, is, is what's happening in regards to um, EV cars and what's happening with the power consumption as a result of that. I don't know the answer, but I'd be interested to have that conversation and what the plans are is if you and I and everybody else is going to get an electric vehicle, what are they going to do to make that plan? Are you planning on putting an EV charging station for cars and boats down at the Eagles Club uh, here at some point in the future? Uh, yeah, we get a generator. You get to start it up and plug your car in. Seven one five eight four five twenty one fifty five. The number to call here if you have a question for Merle this morning regarding your por- portfolio. Uh, the end of March, we're into the first week of April. That means people will be getting their first quarter four hundred one k statements coming up in the next week or two. Uh, and taxes. Um, I just took care of my taxes and paid them yesterday, and uh, there was a lot of tears, um, a lot of crying. So anybody who said that uh, uh, the Trump administration dropped taxes for small businesses, they're wrong. Um, because there's a uh, alternative minimum tax for sole proprietors, and uh, I got the privilege of paying that. That uh, was really enjoyable. Um, and uh, um, um, yeah, it's, it's bad. It sucks. So, um, but the taxes come down. So one of the biggest things to do is to take a look at your tax forms. Uh, we had a couple clients came back and said, "Hey, I had to pay a bunch of extra taxes. What is this? I'll bring your taxes in." So we're doing a lot of reviews right after tax season and having clients bring their taxes in so we can kind of go through and sift through and say, "Well." What do we need to change to make sure that these are, are, are better or changed because the tax is going ahead into the future, especially from a capital gains standpoint? So capital gains were uh, pretty heavy this last year. Um, they add taxes, and for some people, might have shoved them over the limit uh, where they're no longer get, going to get the credit from the Affordable Health Care Act. So this time of the year, talk with your financial professional, grab your taxes, take, go in and take a look. Let's go to the phone this morning. Good morning. Who are we talking to? My name is Steve. Hey, Steve, you're on with Merle. Go ahead. Morning, Steve. Yeah, I've got a question about uh, your thoughts on buying Amazon stock before it splits. Oh, yeah, that was in the news this week as well. Yeah. Amazon's looking at splitting the stock. Yeah. Well, as Tesla, yeah. You know, I see there's good uh, people recommend buying it before, and then there's people that uh, recommend waiting. You know, the, the, the split doesn't matter, okay? Um, if you buy $10,000 of Amazon stock the day before the split, the day after the split, guess how much stock you're going to have in Amazon? $10,000. Okay? Yep. So that doesn't matter. All it's going to happen, you're going to have more shares of it. But what tends to happen then is when the share price drops, you'll have a few more people that will buy it up because they say, well, now it's more affordable. I'm going to buy some more. And they buy it, and it tends to force a price up a little bit. It's not going to do much. The better way to look at it, Steve, is to say, if I do my work and my research, and I look at it and say, is Amazon a stock that I want to purchase, I want to own? Um, um, is that the case? Do I want to own Amazon because of what they're doing, their business, what's going forward? 
um, their financials, their sales. Um, is Amazon a stock I want to own? And go at it from that way. I wouldn't worry about it from a split standpoint. Okay. okay. Thank you. So sometimes, yep. you know, when you buy just before the split, um, actually just before the declaration, I don't know if they even set up a declaration date, is they'll have a date. They'll say everybody who owns the shares as of this date um, will participate, uh, you know, in whatever. Um, I'm not sure if they've done that. Actually, they do that for dividends. I apologize. But, um, you know, when they have the, the split and that whole bit, if you buy it just before, you may get a few shekels extra because of the rise of the price after the split, but the split doesn't make the price go up, and that's a fallacy. That's well, why do why do people then look at a stock split as being a very positive thing in for mo- in the most in most cases? And because of the prices, you know, 3M for a long time tried to keep their stock price between 50 to 70, um, and it certainly creeped up past that. Um, but they tried to keep it because they thought that's more affordable for people who use their products. Uh, so that if they want to buy one share, five share, ten shares, it's easy to do it there. But if you buy, you know, a, a share of Amazon is about thirty-two, thirty-six hundred right now. I haven't even looked at the price lately. But so if we look at the price of Amazon, um, let's say it's thirty-two hundred. If you buy one share for thirty-two hundred, or you buy five shares for thirty-two hundred, you still own thirty-two hundred dollars worth of share. Um, it's just that if you split it by five and you know, uh, uh, you drop that price down to five hundred a share, well, somebody might say, well, geez, I can buy five shares versus one. Still doesn't matter. It's the same dollar value, um, and and uh, but people will look at that and say, well, I can buy it cheaper. Um, we saw the same thing for Tesla when they did a five for one. It looks like they're trying to do it again and split it another time. Uh, I don't know for what, but uh, it's all more psychological than it is financial. As long as you brought up Tesla before we go to our break, um, the, the SEC and the courts and and Elon Musk are still battling over what he can say and what he can tweet and what he can uh, release as far as information about the company. Um, the SEC is claiming that his tweets are basically driving stock prices up and down in, in ways that are that he's not supposed to do. He claims that his First Amendment rights are being violated. The courts are sort of hashing this out now. What do you think? <laughs> Securities Exchange Commission has just got to hate Elon Musk. He said, they said, we're going to find you $100 million. Okay. You know, he doesn't care. Um, Carl Icahn uh, used to play this game a long time ago where Carl Icahn, of course, is uh, – Oh, God, what do they call him? A uh, vulture capitalist? A vulture capitalist, whichever the case may be. But, um, you know, he would, uh, you know, start buying up shares of a company and start putting board members inside of the company and getting ready to, to split it up. Then he would get on air and talk about, you know, how great it was and how great it's going to be. The price would go up and they'd go through. And so he, he was the bane of the existence of the SEC for a long time. And now um, uh, Elon Musk does it and has more money than they can find him to make him worthwhile and make him control himself. My opinion is, is is he shouldn't be saying all the stuff he should be on his tweets um, simply because he's affecting the price for not only you and I. He's not buying and selling his shares, and that's his argument. Um, but he's not buying and selling his shares based on what he's doing, uh, but he's also creating fervor and bouncing the price up and down, and he shouldn't be. That's my take on it. All right, 715-845-2155. We're going to take a break. We'll come back with more. If you have a question for Merle, give us a call. We'll be right back on W. Kennedy not doing their jobs. Today at 2 on WSAU and WSAU.com. The opinions voiced in this show are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, Consult your attorney, accountant, financial advisor, or tax advisor prior to investing. This show contains forward-looking statements that may not come true. Securities Investment Advisory Services offered through Grove Point Financial, 
Member FINRA SIPC, Grove Point Financial, and Kelchin Associates are unaffiliated companies. And folks, this program is intended for Wisconsin residents only. And we're back here in the studio. I'm Tom King along with Merle Kelch, Kelchin Associates in Wausau, 715-845-2155. The number to call here if you have a question for Merle, uh, give us a call here this morning. Where would you want to go from here? Well, <clears throat> there's an article by Christine Azalis um, and William Watt. And inside of this article, they talked about something that um, we, we've hinted around and started partners finally starting to pop out inside of articles that we have to look at. You know, some people think, well, geez, we got all these jobs. The jobs are coming. That's good, right? Well, um, in many instances, the, the jobs are creating an issue in themselves. Um, and uh, with the jobs reports that we have, kind of brings us back to this theoretical place called full employment. And the theor- theoretical place of full employment is if I need to have a, a, another person run my uh, widget machine, um, I can't just go out there and look for somebody that's coming, finishing up school with my widget machine. If I need experience, i got to steal them from somebody else. And as a result of that, I'm going to have to pay them more money to move them over and have them migrate over to my company. And we're seeing a lot of that happening right now. We take a look at the uh, number of jobs that people are you know, quitting jobs and moving to different places. It's happening all over the place. Well, it's driving up wages. We, we heard this week, uh, I think the president said that the workers have more power now than they probably have had in quite some time. Oh, certainly so. Uh, certainly so. And, and you know what? There's nothing wrong with that being the case. But what it does do, though, is it forces up wages to a point um, that we reach that full employment. It starts becoming inflationary in itself. And as a result of that, that's one of the reasons that we're seeing so many people um, uh, believing that the Federal Reserve is going to increase interest rates at 50% or 50 basis points uh, coming up in May. I wish they would have done it here uh, just this past month. Um, and they'll probably do it again in, in July, it looks like, as far as another 50, points, 50 basis points. And so um, as a result of that, jobs good, um, uh, too many jobs bad. <laughs> you know, so uh, we keep flipping around the marketplace. But, um, again, watch yourself, folks, with the, the interest rates going up. Um, we could see uh, the real estate market slow down, certainly see bond prices drop. Um, and at the same time, we're going to see portfolios that have bonds on the inside within our 401Ks, those target funds, lifestyle funds, that type of stuff, whatever term they use. Uh, we could see them have some troubles and sputter here. Um, over the course of the next year with the rising interest rate environment. It appears that the uh, the housing selling boom is over at this point. Um, and, you know, for a while there, you could get as much money as you could possibly get to sell your house. The problem was finding something else to buy because the inventory yeah, wasn't yeah. there because everybody was buying. So, um, so uh, what does not that much mean? Change hmm? not, not much change yet here. Not much change yet here. Yeah, yet here but it, uh, for my real estate friends, not much change here. Uh, we're seeing a little bit of opening up as far as the amount of sales for existing home sales. This is an article from last week, uh, maybe prepared for last week's show. Um, existing home sales were down some 7.1% in certain areas. And real estate, folks, always seems to happen on the coast first, and then comes into here secondarily. What does that mean for people who invest in REITs at this point in time? I wouldn't own them. You know, I, I, I'm not a big fan of REITs anyway, but you know, when you have a rising interest rate environment that uh, can cut into your cost of the REITs, um, the REITs that, what that simply means is that the cost of them running the business goes up, uh, makes the spreads come down, uh, pays out a little bit less. And then when real estate slows down, their their real estate, of course, they can't buy and sell it if they need to inside of the REIT, depending upon uh, whichever uh, REIT that they have. Are we seeing more and more companies decide to send people back to the office? I mean, for, for the last two years, people have been working from home, and there was this talk that uh, it wouldn't be going back to business as usual and having, you know, big office complex with, uh, with cube farms or whatever and and that people could c- still continue to work at home. We've seen a couple of major companies decide they are going to send their people back uh, to an office environment. Yeah. But is that going to be the trend now? 
I, I don't know. Um, I think there's going to be some sort of a hybrid of things in the middle there. Um, if I'm a company, I want my staff to be together inside of the same building. Um, I haven't read any sort of a study that says whether or not people are more productive or less productive at home. I don't know the answer to that particular part. Um, but I think just from a um, uh, imagination, ingenuity, when you have bodies together, you seem to have some sort of a, a amplification of that. Once again, I think the workers have the uh, have the choice. They would choose to work at home and not commute and not have to worry about getting dressed and give oh, them sure. more time to sleep in and all of that. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, but I'm looking at that. You know, if we've not got dealing five with the guy are, in the cube next to you that uh, you know is coughing all the time or you know doing all kinds of weird stuff. I'm looking at some sort of collaboration. I think you put, when you have people together, it's better to have all the interpersonal yeah. communication going on. I think it just is better for innovation. So my preference would be to have everybody together in that standpoint. Um, of course, I'm in a business that's difficult to do it from uh, video screens. It's tough to do that, though some people do, I guess. All right, we're out of time for today. And before you head down to get ready for bingo at the Eagles Club tonight. The moonshine uh, bingo. And uh, <laughs> folks, come on down. We have cocktails. In fact, uh, um, our staff made 975 jello shots for tonight. Okay. This is not Grandma's Bingo. Uh, apparently not. All right. Well, if folks want to get a hold of you on Monday, how can they do that? Find us on 3rd Avenue and Bridge Street. Wassa, stop on in, kick the tires, have a cup of coffee on us. You can give us a call locally, 715-849-3600. Toll free outside of the Wassa area at 866-355-5100. Or find us online at kelchnassociates.com. All right. We'll talk to you again next week. See you next week, my friend. We've got the uh, news on the way. The polka show is coming up as well. All right here on WSAU. Are you concerned about having a CT, MRI, or other radiology exam? Know what to expect and how to prepare. 